Yes, thank you for the opportunity to speak to you. Um, I thought I was going to have a Sunday off, but uh, we've got to be ready at all times, haven't we? Praise God. Um, I'd like you to turn in your Bible this morning to Ephesians chapter 3. It's a great pleasure to be here, and uh, I remember Bob and Anne from so many years ago. <laughs> and um, my thoughts go back when I was in Portsmouth and South Sea in open airs, playing my accordion, and, and with Bob down there, and and those tent missions, and when we used to be on the streets, and what what how the Lord has kept kept Anne to and me and us all by his mighty power it's a wonderful thing isn't it that we are in a tremendous thing called salvation <laughs> we've been saved we're being saved and we're going to be saved what God has put us into is so great and so marvellous that it's a bit of a job for us and God reveals this thing to us bit by bit. And the older I get, the more glorious the gospel is. It's so wonderful that we're part of a huge thing that God is planning. And we are part of that plan. We have been chosen. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? I was in a Bible study the other night in a Church of England church and... Um, they want me to go along and help this lady there. And uh, as I was reading, um, I was reading this scripture, and it's in Ephesians 3.10. And it says in the authorised version, well, if we start at verse 9, well, start at verse 8. Paul says, Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles. And this is the term the Apostle Paul likes, the unsearchable riches of Christ. And he mentions this more than once in the Ephesian epistle. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. And verse 10 says, To the intent that now, unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places, might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith of him. This verse in the Amplified is a little bit clearer. It says the purpose is, in verse 10, that through the church, that's you and me, those who are the church, the body of Christ, the complicated, many-sided wisdom of God in all its infinite variety and innumerable aspects, might now be known to the angelic rulers and the authorities, that is, the principalities and powers, 
in the heavenly sphere. You have to realize that as a child of God, you've been quickened out of death into life. You were in Adam, you're now in Christ. And this plan, this plan that was set up way back by between Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and when Jesus said, as the Son, I will go and redeem man. Because as we read between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, there was another fall, and that was the fall of Lucifer. And when Lucifer fell, he took a third of the angelic host with him. They fell with him. We've got to understand that Lucifer was a created being who had tremendous uh, attributes and qualities. He led the worship in heaven. He had, you can read it in uh, Isaiah 44, 4-23 and Ezekiel 28, 1-19. These prophets give us a picture of what happened when Lucifer fell. It was a traumatic event. Suddenly, heaven had lost its worship leader. Hadn't it? And two-thirds, a third of the angels went with him. And we're told in the word of God that hell was created for those fallen angels. And Lucifer fell. But what the Apostle Paul is saying to you is the purpose is that through the church... That is you and me. The wisdom, the many-sided wisdom in all its infinite variety, innumerable aspects, might now be known to the angelic rulers and the authorities and principalities and powers in the heavenly places. You see, the first Adam fell. He had perfect righteousness. He had perfect communion. He had... He was made like God in the image of God. Creation thought he was God, but he fell. And he fell to the greatest temptation that will come to you and to me. And the biggest temptation you face is pride. That's how Adam fell. And when you think you can live independent of God and call yourself a believer, you will fail. Because God is your creator and God is your source. And God in Christ has recreated you. Because Adam was a, a created being. He was a living soul. But you and I, we are, a, we are a quickened spirit. We are recreated. We are regenerated. We are a new creation. And we've been called to show forth the praises of him who have called us out of darkness into his marvellous light. And our calling is to praise him, to worship him, to thank him. And every day we should awake with this thought in our minds, I need the grace of God. I need the peace of God. Every epistle that Paul opens has got two words, grace and peace. Because grace is the root and peace is the fruit. And if you haven't got peace, you've got disease. 
haven't you? If you haven't got peace, you've got dis-ease. And that's where dis-ease comes from, is a lack of peace. The enemy will always feed on flesh. But if we're not fleshly, but spiritual, we will take our heavenly places. You notice it says, in the heavenly places. Ephesians is a book that says to you and me, you've got a place, and it's in heaven. You're part of a heavenly company. We've been recreated to take our place and sit in heavenly places. You have been blessed with all spiritual blessings where, thank God for the oasis, thank God for our fellowship, but it actually is in heavenly places. You, as we come this morning, are supposed to ascend the hill of the Lord and take your place in heavenly Zion. People are getting very worked up about earthly Zion. I'm sorry, it's finished. We belong to a heavenly city, a heavenly Zion. We, we, our citizenship, Paul says, is in heaven. Well, if your citizenship is in heaven, that means your conversation's in heaven. Isn't it? You're a man and a woman of faith. <laughs> because you've been given a gift of faith. And that faith enables you, by grace you're saved, but it's through faith. So I say every day, Lord, give me your grace, that I might have your peace. I want his peace. Do you know what grace is? Um, grace um, is the power source of the very kingdom of God we live in. Because Paul says, where sins abounded, grace came and conquered it. And you've been saved by that grace through faith. And what you've got to understand is you need grace. And that's why he said, Paul says you come to that throne of mercy seat to find what? Grace to help you in your time of need. And grace will give you peace. Why did Jesus everywhere when said, my peace I give unto you? Peace in the Hebrew means wholeness. Wholeness, spirit, soul, and body. God wants you completely whole. <laughs> Jesus, if you look at the front of the cross, you see him taking your sins and your transgressions and all, your, all the offense. He took our offense and, and Adam's offense. But you go to the back of the cross and there's the stripes of Jesus for your healing. With, your, with his stripes, you were healed. Your salvation is total. But you, have got, you and I have got to learn as who we are. We are children of God to take our place in Mount Zion and ascend that hill of the Lord when you come here and you start to worship God you start to praise God if you're not praising God you're not taking your place there's got to be praise in your mouth there's got to be thanksgiving in your mouth 
Because if you understood the depth of sin that you've been brought out of and the glory which you have been put into, you would continually praise God. Because you were saying, what a tremendous salvation I've got. And it is tremendous. Do you know that praise is our victory? Lucifer lost it, and we've taken Lucifer's place. You have taken Lucifer's place. You're supposed to be in the praise up in the place that he lost. We've replaced him, and that's why he doesn't like us. He doesn't like us, but thank God we overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, and we lift up our hands to the Most High God and we praise him. Why? Because he's a tremendous saviour. Yeah. The enemy wants to shut your mouth, but you've got to keep it open. You know whether you're right with God or not. If you stop praising God, there's something wrong. If you're not praising God continuously, there's something wrong. Because the enemy is getting at you. You see, the great foundational truths that Paul teaches us in Romans are justification, sanctification, and glorification. But in the Hebrew epistle, it's, it's grace and peace and glory. You see, when you get into the presence of God, it's glorious. Something happens to your spirit man. It quickens your body through your spirit. And your body is quickened. There's healing in praise. There's healing in thanksgiving. There's healing in worship. Why? Because you're contacting the very source of life. You're contacting God himself who's been manifested in the flesh and the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit to help us to access this. Justification is that thing in your life which puts you in right standing with God. It deals with all your past sins, all your guilt, all the condemnation that, that was on your life. But it doesn't deal with the now, the present, but sanctification does. Sanctification is that work of the Spirit that's removing you from everything that harms you, sin that will attack your body and your mind, and it will cause you, the Holy Spirit will help you to overcome it. You see, what you got to, you see, they're two And what's gone wrong in the church today is we hear that your sins were forgiven yesterday, today, and forever. Hang on a minute. Our Christianity is more than forgiveness of sins, it's justification. You've been declared righteous. And when you understand that you're righteous, and when you understand that the Holy Spirit is working in your life to separate you from all evil, when you can grasp this, you will then enter the glory. And in the glory is every need that you have. All our needs have been supplied, Paul says, in, according to his riches in glory. Not according to your bank account. Not according to what you can think up. It's according to his riches in glory. We can hardly conceive that. God is a miracle-working God. 
He can do anything for you, but you've got to humble yourself. Pride is the greatest enemy to your faith, and my faith is pride. You know, I've struggled with Adam's sin. I read an old book in 1850, and he said it was ungratefulness. But I agree with Andrew Murray. It's pride. See, it's pride. And what will separate your faith from God? Stop having is pride. You have to humble yourself. Jesus humbled himself. As our sister said, he washed their feet. He said, I've not come to be Lord over you. I've come to serve you. And if you haven't got a servant's heart, you won't make it. You've got to have a servant's heart. If something needs doing in this place, if it's cleaning the floor, clean it. You're serving God. Whatever it is, because this is God's house, and you're part of God's house, I would encourage you to praise God. Don't sit there when the singing's there. Don't let your mind go to the lunch, come in. (laughs) Don't think about what all your worries are, or what's wrong with you, or what isn't wrong with you, or what's wrong with this, or what's wrong with that. Grace overcomes. Grace wins. It's wholeness. Peace is wholeness. In the Greek, it's union. You see, Paul is teaching us to have union with Christ. And one of the ways you enter into his presence, you enter into his course with thanksgiving and into his gates with praise. It's a wonderful thing to praise God. Because when you start to feel the presence of God, things change in your life. But you've got to experience it. It's a feeling. It's a filling. The day of Pentecost was not all up in the brain. It was not intellectual. It was experiential. (laughs) They felt something. And when you come into the presence of God, you're going to feel something. You're going to be lifted. Are you going to take your place this week? (laughs) I want to take my place. I'm going to say, Lord, tomorrow I need your grace. Because I need your peace. Because if you've got God's peace, you've got wholeness. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Paul prayed to the church, I preserve you blameless. Spirit soul and body unto the coming of the Lord. You don't have to go out of this this world sick. You can be made whole. You don't have to be damaged by this, that and the other. You can be made whole. But you've got to take your place. You've got to do your part. Haven't you? Paul says in Philippians 2, it's God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure, but work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I tell you what, and part of our calling, what is two Peter, 1 Peter 2 say? This is what you're called to be. 2 Peter 1. 
You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, 1 Peter 2.9, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should what? Show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. When you start praising God, the enemy is defeated. You're taking your place. You're dethroning Satan. You've got to realize something. This is more than just, these are not just songs. God is looking for worshippers, he said to the woman at the well, who worship me in the spirit. And sometimes you might come in, you don't feel like it. Well, you've got to press through your, your flesh. Press through it. Press through your feelings and lift up those hands unto the Lord and start praising God. And start worshipping God. And start thanking God. And I tell you what, you will overcome. Wonderful thing. The purpose is that through the church, the complicated, many-sided wisdom of God in all its infant variety and innumerable aspects might be known to the angelic rulers. The angelic rulers. <laughs> we are the church triumphant. Do you want to be an overcomer? Or do you want to be overcome? <laughs> I want to be an overcomer, don't you? I want to be of the overcoming company of people that use their calling and start worshipping God. Yeah. Start worshipping God. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? A tremendous thing that God has brought us into. Look at Isaiah 14 a minute. Verse 12 it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars. I will sit upon the mount and I will do this and I will do that. But it says in 15, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell and to the sides of the pit. If pride brought Lucifer down, it brought Adam down. It's bringing many people down today. Pride will cause you to eat of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of knowledge and good and evil. The word of God tells us that every good and perfect gift cometh from heaven above. There's no evil from God our Father. When you start eating something good and evil, you're in trouble. He wanted to be like God. Don't think you can live one day as a believer without grace and peace if it's by grace you're saved you're going to have to continue in grace to be saved aren't you and if grace is the power source of the kingdom of God and we look at the cross and we look at Jesus who John says was full of grace and truth we know that Jesus laid down his life 
He gave up his life. He, wasn't, he couldn't be taken. He gave it up for us. Didn't he? And they, these disciples saw him whipped mercilessly. He suffered more than any man physically. But he not only suffered physically, he suffered mentally because he took the wrath of God against sin. Romans 1.8 says the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness. He took that wrath and that's when his visage was changed. He didn't look like a man. The disciples looked at that. They saw him embalmed in six stone of weight. They saw him put into a tomb. It was sealed with soldiers. And yet three days later, Mary's in that sepulchre by it and the tomb is empty. I tell you, when you get a vision of the risen Christ like they did, and he appeared to them, they were never the same. And when we get an understanding that Christ conquered sin, death, and hell, through grace, triumphed, didn't it? It absolutely triumphed over all sin, death, and hell. And you got grace... You got the most powerful thing on earth. It conquered sin, death and hell. It took you out of the pit of hell. And it brought you into Christ Jesus. And now you're born of God. You're a new creation. And if you understand that, you will praise God. Oh yeah, you will start praising God. But if if your Christianity is all about works and who you are, and as our sister said about I, myself and me, and me, myself, and I. And I, myself, and me. No, it's all about Christ in me, the hope of glory. Isn't it? It's not about you and me, it's about him, Christ in us. And when we glorify him, and we praise him, it says God inhabits the praises of his people. Don't you know that you're a temple of the Holy Ghost, Paul says? You're the temple. You are the temple. Christ dies in you. And if your temple doesn't start praising God, it'll start thinking about something else. (laughs) Satan will soon get your attention on something else. But if you can keep your eyes on Jesus, and you can keep worshipping him, and praising him. One of the greatest preachers in the last century said, if you've got a person who calls himself a Christian, he doesn't praise God, he said there's something wrong with him. There's something wrong with him. He hasn't quite got it. The penny hasn't dropped. He's got an inadequate conception of sin. So he's got an inadequate conception of grace. Because if you understand what you've got, you would be shouting. You would be praising. You would be rejoicing. Because we're on our way to glory. Thank God we are. This old mess has been wrapped up, Peter says. And we're shortly going to see a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. You know, it's in Revelation 12 where that famous verse is where it says, you overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony. There's a lot of, a lot of talk about the book of Revelation today and I think a lot of it is Tommy Rock, frankly. It's all a bit hairy. I don't know where it's all come from. It came from J.N. Darby in 1850, the founder of the Brethren Movement. 
and it wasn't in the church before then but I can tell you this that here it is in Revelation 12 it says and there appeared a great wonder in heaven etc and she was with birth etc and this is this is the this is the church and a woman fled etc etc and, and that great dragon it says in verse 9 was cast out that old serpent called the devil and Satan which deceived and was cast out in the earth and his angels heard him and I heard a loud sign now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down which accused them day and night and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony I believe that divides revelation in half the first half of the judgments and the sufferings of the church we go through and the church is suffering every four minutes a Christian is being martyred in this world at the moment every four minutes is dying for their faith but the second half is the judgment of the world and the ungodly but you know, I believe, like many other ministers do, I, I believe that this, when Jesus took his blood up into heaven, when he said to Mary, don't touch me, I'm going to your father and my father, and he took his blood, the heavens were cleansed. Lucifer had desecrated that heavenly Zion, but Jesus took his blood and cleansed it and Satan is now in the lower heavens and we are now overcoming him through the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony he can't get up there and accuse like he did Job remember he was in heaven he said look at my servant Job he's not there anymore heaven is cleansed and you're part of this heavenly company through the blood and body of Christ and you can take your place up there what does Hebrews 12 say Hebrews 12 tells us what we've come to read it for yourself Hebrews 12 this is what it says in Hebrews 12 um, 22 but you the church have come unto where Mount Zion the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem to an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn which are written in heaven to God the judge of all and the spirits of judgment and to who? Jesus the mediator of the new covenant to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than Abel come on take your place it's time for us all to take our place and realize who we are. You're not just Joe Bloggs. You're a new person. You're a new creation that belong to this church of the firstborn in heaven. And you're you've got to come and take your place and sit down in your heavenly places each day. God is saying, come up. Come up. And take your place with me and rule and reign with me. You'll reign in life, Paul says in Romans 5, by one, Christ Jesus. We've been called to reign. Oh yeah, you can overcome. Why? Because Jesus has paid a big price for this. He's paid for every one of us to take your place.
So forget about who you are and all your problems and get your eyes on Jesus and start getting elevated. <laughs> start getting lifted up into heavenly places. <laughs> He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Where? Well, if the blessings are in heavenly places, guess where you've got to be to get them? Heavenly places. And if you're, you know, Romans 8's all about carnal-minded people. I mean, some preachers preach two kinds of Christianity. Some of them are carnal Christians and some of them are spiritual. Utter nonsense. A true believer is a spiritual person. <laughs> Isn't he? We're not supposed to be carnally minded and have death. We're supposed to be spiritually minded and have life and peace. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? Don't you believe Jesus is wonderful? I do. I think he's done a tremendous job. <laughs> I think it's absolutely wonderful. Amen. I tell you what, start enjoying him. So some people look as though they've been marinated in lemon juice. <laughs> yeah, and when you meet them, it's all about me <laughs> and my arthritis. Don't you ever own arthritis. <laughs> it's not your arthritis. It comes from the devil. <laughs> you never own anything of Satan. You're a new creature. Born of God to sit in heavenly places and rule and reign. That the, the purpose is that the, through the church, you, me, might be known. Yes, you've taken Lucifer's place. You are now part of the heavenly choir. The heavenly choir. <laughs> We've got heavenly robes, none of this black business and white at the top, looking like penguins. <laughs> no, we belong to a heavenly choir. You know, it said that old Christmas Evans, an old great revival, Welsh revival was walking from Dolgethley to Macunthleth, walking over Cader Idris. Well, we went up the road on the side of the mountain. I thought, we must have been a strong man walking all that way from Dolgetli. But I suppose the bread in those days was real bread, wasn't it? <laughs> anyway, he was walking up along these mountains and suddenly he wrote, he, he, the word of God came to him and it says, I've not given you the spirit of bondage again to fear, but I've given you the spirit of adoption whereby you cry... Father, oh my goodness, it changed him. The whole man was changed, his ministry was changed. He got a download from heaven. Well, that's what you need and I need. We need a download from heaven. Yeah, we need an infusion of the anointing to fall upon us. The most important person in your life is the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. Don't settle for nothing less. You've got a destiny. You've got a place. You've been chosen. Oh, I tell you. Ephesians 1. What a wonderful chapter Ephesians 1 says. Blessed by God the Father who's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly place. You're chosen before the foundation of the world to be holy without blame. You're predestined. <laughs> You're adopted. <laughs> You're accepted. You've got redemption. You've got forgiveness of sins. 
You've got all wisdom and you've obtained an inheritance. My goodness, Jesus has done a wonderful thing. And you're all part of the will. You're his children. Romans 8 says you're heirs. You're joint heirs. You're part of the family of God. Isn't it wonderful? Are you going to rejoice this week? <laughs> Are you going to praise God? Are you going to start to smile? Are you going to be happy? <laughs> Are you going to start rejoicing? This is the day that the Lord hath made. Now is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, now. <laughs> now faith is. <laughs> Isn't it? Now I receive it. Lord, we thank you this morning that we're in your house. We thank you for this oasis. We thank you for your saints, Lord. Because they're all saints, sanctified, set apart for you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, as we lift our hands to you, the Most High God, the Creator of heaven and earth, that you will bless this house, that you will cause them to be a blessing, that we would, they will erupt with praise and thanksgiving and worship in the days of he ahead, Lord, and you'll send down your glory. Thank you, Lord that we shall be to the praise of his glory. Isn't it wonderful? We thank God for his goodness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen.